Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu, Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachmim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Shabbat, for this opportunity to gather together as Mishpacha's family to worship you and to receive from you. Father, I pray that you speak boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word spoken, your voice heard and received, that everything that is spoken today will be directly from your heart. Father, I pray that you use me as a vessel for you, that nothing of me be involved in this except that which you have ordained for this purpose. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua Messiah we pray. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. Uh, this week's Parsha is Parsha Chukat. Um, and uh, as always, there is a ton of stuff going on in the Parsha. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but a theme throughout the scriptures is the concept of water, right? If we look at Israel, Israel coming through uh, the Yom Suf, the Sea of Reeds, uh, the, they came through water, they were birthed, if you would, through water. We have commandments in regards to a mikvah, an immersion, uh, and being baptized or immersed in the, the name of Yeshua. We have the uh, well, the, 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 the waters that came forth the first time that Moses struck the rock. We have the waters that come forth from the rock, this, this Parsha. We have uh, numerous issues over and over and over again. There were the bitter waters that they threw the stick in and it became drinkable. Uh, we move into the Haptor, or the rest of the Tanakh, rather, and over and over again, water is a concept that appears. And in the Gospels, we see water is a valuable and important concept throughout the rest of the Baruch HaDashah as well. And one of the things we recognize is uh, that this concept of water is so important, first and foremost, because physiologically, we are predominantly made up of water. Uh, so there's this unique re relationship, if you would, for us and the, the idea of water. But aside from that, the idea that we see throughout Scripture in regards to water is the waters of life, or the living waters, waters that bring forth life. And in terms of Mashiach Yeshua, waters that bring forth new life in Him, waters that bring forth life eternal in the presence of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And so I want to focus on the idea of water, and in particular, uh, Israel and Moses' interaction with water in this week's Parsha. Um, at this point in Numbers, we are rolling close to the end of the book of Numbers at this point. Israel has completed the majority of their journey and are getting prepared. As a matter of fact, towards the end of this Parsha, they uh, defeat and uh, lay claim to the territories that Israel holds on to on the east side of the Jordan. Um, so we're towards the end of Israel's journey. Uh, so at this point, we have uh, pretty much covered about 38 years, give or take, of Israel's journey in the wilderness just in the book of Numbers. If you have your scriptures, open up to Numbers chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. It says, In the first month, the entire community of B'nai Israel arrived at the wilderness of Zen. The people stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water in the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses, saying, If only we had died when our brothers died before Adonai. Now why have you brought the community of Adonai into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you brought us from Egypt to bring us to the evil this evil place, a place without grain, fig, grapevine, or pomegranate? 
and there's no water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from before the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Now this sounds familiar, right? Not only does the, the situation with the water, and in just a moment we're going to get into uh, Moses striking the water, not only does it sound familiar, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 17, the first time that Israel has this exact same uh, scenario, this exact same thing play out. And so this is the second time that Israel has gone through this. It's not the same situation explained again, but it is literally the exact same thing replicated all the way down to it's in the same place. All right, so go back to Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. It says, All the congregation of B'nai Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. There we go again, the wilderness of sin. This time they have now landed in the wilderness of sin in Numbers, and here in Exodus they are leaving the wilderness of sin. So they're in the same place. According to the command of Adonai, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink, so they, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do, you, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test Adonai? But the people thirsted for water there, and they complained against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us with thirst along with our children and cattle? So Moses cried out to Adonai, saying, What am I to do for these people? They are about ready to stone me. Adonai said to Moses, Walk before the people and take the, uh, the elders of Israel with you, along with your staff with which you struck the river. Take it in your hand and go. Behold, I will stand before you. There upon the rock, rock of Horeb you are to strike the rock, and water will come out of it so that the people can drink. Then Moses uh, did, so ju- did just so in the eyes of the elders of Israel. The name of the place was called Massah or Mirabah because of the quarreling of B'nai Israel and because they tested Adonai saying, is Adonai among us or not? So we see it's the exact same scenario uh, happening again. Israel tends to repeat things over and over again. As we look through the book of Numbers on their journey, you'll notice that they repeat locations several times. Uh, and each time it's because they didn't le- learn the lesson they were supposed to learn the last time they were there. And each of the names of the locations that they reside in during this journey to the promised land has a purpose and a, a, a part of the plan in terms of what the Lord is trying to reveal to them. And each time they miss out on what the Lord is trying to do. So we go back to Numbers chapter 20. Here we are all over again as though they didn't learn their lesson the first time. They didn't know. I mean, think about this, and I, I hit on this a lot, but think about the fact that Israel experienced, what Israel experienced coming out of Egypt. What Israel experienced as the Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds parted, and they walked through on dry ground. Not walked through on soggy ground. They walked through on dry ground. Think about what they experience as they get to Mount Sinai and they see the literal presence of the Lord reside upon the mountain and the voice of the Lord audibly speak forth before the entire nation. Think of what they've experienced over and over and over and over again. Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses and Joshua and the, the battle, uh, the troops of Israel in battle bringing victory because of what the Lord did miraculously as Moses' arms were raised in praise before him. Uh, over and over and over again in the journey of Israel, we see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We see the might and the power of the Lord in their lives over and over and over again. And nothing changes. The Lord is ever faithful to do exactly what he says he's going to do, which is to protect and to guide and to care for Israel, to provide for them, and that he will never leave them or forsake them. Yet for some reason, we as Israel can never get our heads wrapped around this concept. And every time the going gets tough, we blame the Lord. 
Or we get upset at the Lord and we cause all kinds of problems. So here we are again, the same circumstances in Numbers 20, uh, picking up towards the end of verse 6. Then the glory of Adonai appeared to them. This is after Aaron and Moses went into the tent of meeting. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff and gather the assembly. You and your brother Aaron speak to the rock before their eyes. Now the Lord's command has changed. The first time he was to strike the rock which would show them uh, the might and the power of the Lord. But this time, it's to go a step further. He's to speak to the rock and command water to come forth, just speaking to it, and the Lord's going to bring it. Uh, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will give out its water. You will bring out water from the rock, and you will give the community something to drink along with their livestock. So Moses took his staff from before the presence of Adonai, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock, Notice last time God commanded Moses to take just the elders of Israel with him before the rock. And it says very specifically in Exodus 17 that the miracle of the water coming forth from the rock was just in front of the elders, that the elders saw this happen. Here it's the entire assembly of Israel. Verse 9, so Moses took the staff from before the presence of Adonai just as he had commanded them. Commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the entire assembly in front of the rock. He said, listen now, you rebels. Must we bring water, bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his arms and struck the rock twice with the staff. Water gushed out, and the community and its livestock drank. But Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me, so as to esteem me as holy in the eyes of Israel, therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. There are the wa- these are the waters of Mirabah, where Bnei Israel contended with Moses, and where Adonai showed himself holy among them. This is a really unique circumstance. Uh, And I think what it all boils down to, in all honesty, is the testimony of Moses' life. See, a lot of times as believers, we talk about testimony, especially in the modern body of Messiah. We talk about a testimony and we tell our story, right? How did we come to faith or what miracles the Lord has done in our lives or what good things have happened to us this week or, or over the course of this last year or whatever. And we, we have this mentality that testimony is merely words that are spoken. We can speak our testimony all day long and we can tell people about it all day long. But how many of us really wrap our heads around the fact that our testimony is not our words but instead our actions, our lives, what the people see? And see, the problem here for Moses was that he contradicted the word of the Lord and in a way was trying to show in his own power what he could do. He wasn't trying to take away from the Lord, I don't think, in all honesty. But I think he was fed up with Israel. He had gone through it over and over and over again. Every time he turned around, it seems like Israel wanted to stone him or Israel wanted to hang him or Israel wanted to burn him or Israel wanted to kill him because they couldn't quite get the picture of what the Lord was doing. As a matter of fact, the majority of the issues Israel deals with in our journey through the wilderness getting to the promised land was our fault, right? We spent 40 years wandering the wilderness because we were too stupid to listen to the word of the Lord and go into the promised land, right? And here Moses is all over again doing exactly what the nation felled at, which is not listening to the voice of the Lord. The Lord says, I want you to speak to the rock. Why did he want him to speak to it? Because he wanted him to show the Lord's might and power over the natural. Like who, who thinks of, I mean, when you pick up a rock and you take a sledgehammer to it and you crack it open, how often does water come out of it, right? This is a big stone. It's a big boulder. But nonetheless, how often does water come out of something like that? This is God wanting to show his control over the physical 
through the spiritual to his people Israel. Which is a very important reality because as believers, we have to understand that there is a spiritual war going on that we are unfortunately tied up in. And we have to, if we're going to be victorious, have to trust in the Lord to be operating in the divine and the miraculous and the spiritual realm on our behalf so that we can be victorious in him. But if we don't trust in that and we don't walk in that, we're not going to experience it as the Lord has ordained for us. And so here Israel starts to grumble and complain as opposed to simply going, hey, Lord, um, we're a bit thirsty here, and I remember the countless times you provided for us. Would you be so kind as to provide for us now? Very simple request. Very simple issue. But Israel couldn't quite bring themselves to that point. So instead they cry out against Moses and say, why have you brought us here again? Why have you brought us to the wilderness to die? Why have you brought us here where there's nothing's like you said the promised land would be? We're not even in the promised land. As though it's Moses' fault that they didn't end up in the promised land up to this point, as opposed to taking responsibility on themselves. And so Moses gets fed up. The Lord says, speak to the rock. He walks out with his staff. And this time, instead of just being in front of the elders, he's in front of the entire nation. And the Lord said, speak to the rock. And Moses smacks the rock twice with his staff. Now, lucky for Moses, the Lord came through for him anyways. Um, you know, I've said this before, if I was God, I'd have let Moses hang out to dry. Um, you know, you didn't do what I said, you're on your own, all right? Um, I tried, I tried, he, you, you weren't willing to work with me. Um, but the Lord provided anyways, which in and of itself speaks a multitude. But if you pay attention to what the Lord says, he says in verse 12, but Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me, so as to esteem me as holy in the eyes of B'nai Israel, therefore you will not bring the assembly into the land that I have given to them. The issue wasn't what Moses' belief was. The issue wasn't what Moses spoke about the Lord being able to do. The issue was Moses didn't show the Lord in his life. And one of the most important encounters with the nation of Israel, instead of being faithful to who he is as the leader of Israel, who the Lord has called him to be in the, the uh, overwhelming presence of the mantle of the Ruach HaKodesh upon him, he didn't walk faithfully with the Lord, and he didn't show the Lord to be holy. Now, the Lord still shown himself to be holy, right? The Lord says, if you don't cry, if you don't call out to me, if you don't worship me, it's okay. I'll make the rocks cry out before me, right? He's going to get what's due to him. He is the God of all creation. He created all things. Worship is his and his alone, and he will get worship. Whether or not we get on board as his creation is a whole other story. But like I said, I believe that the primary reality here is Moses' testimony. Because this is one of those circumstances toward the end of Moses' life that cost him everything. Because he didn't stand firm in the promises of the Lord. He didn't stand firm in the commands of the Lord. He didn't stand firm in his relationship and walk and calling in the Lord. And because of that, his life did not show the glory of the Lord before the nation of Israel. His life in this moment did not reveal the holiness of the Lord before the nation of Israel. I think as believers, a lot of times we have this mentality that if we can just give a good testimony, if we can talk about the way the Lord healed us, or we can talk about our salvational experience, that'll be enough. People will be inspired just because of the words, just because of what the Lord did for us. And, and uh, there are people that actually study and train to come up with the best way to tell their testimony, to be the most impactful. And there's nothing wrong with telling your testimony vocally as long as your life matches up with it. 
And I think a lot of times we fall into the same situation, the same mindset as Moses here in Numbers chapter uh, 20, where we refuse to or forget to or fail to or just fall short of walking in the testimony the Lord has given us in such a way that our lives speak forth the truth of his word. Uh, I want you to go forward real quick to John chapter 12, beginning with verse 35. John chapter 12, verse 35. It says, Therefore Yeshua said to them, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness will not overtake you. For the one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he is going while you have the light. Believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. Yeshua spoke these things, then left and hid himself from them. But even though he had performed so many signs before them, they weren't trusting in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Adonai, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of Adonai been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe. For Isaiah also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So they might not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and turn back. And I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even among the leaders, but they uh, put their trust in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Yeshua. So they would not be thrown out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory of men more than the glory of God. Yeshua cried out, whoever puts trust in me believes not in me, but in the one who sent me. And whoever beholds me beholds the one who sent me. As light, I have come into the world so that everyone who trusts in me should not remain in darkness. Notice how the, the, the Messiah speaks here. It talks about in John 12 about how there were many in Israel that believed in him, but they would not confess with their mouth faith in Yeshua because they were more afraid or concerned about what others thought. Because they were more afraid of what people in the synagogue might say or they might get kicked out of the synagogues. Because they were more concerned with men than they were with God. Yeshua says in other places in the gospel, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Here he talks about we are to become sons of the light, children of the light. We carry the light of Messiah in our lives. You know, there's the old children's song about the not putting the light under a bush, the candle under a bush, right? Uh, that we are to light this world around us. That's the purpose to us carrying the light of Messiah. We are to light the world around us with the light of Messiah. I don't know if you've actually walked around in the world or paid attention to the news or, heck, looked on social media. This world's kind of gloomy, right? Dark and gloomy and miserable. Uh, I'm, I'm working right now on my motorcycle. I'm putting, converting my lights on the front of my bike over to LED, my headlight, and, and to uh, driving lights, ditch lights, extra kind of mini headlights that I have on there over to LED. With, uh, they, they come normally with halogen lights, which are kind of that yellow color a lot of times, and, and it lights okay, but... But then I put on these LED lights, and it was funny because I did it in my garage, and all I've got on right now as far as LED goes is just the main headlight. And uh, so I, I tested to make sure everything was connected right, and I turn on the, the bike, and the headlight comes on. And I was dumbfounded at the difference that, that this light made just in my garage with the lights on. Uh, in my garage with the lights on, heck, with the lights off, if it was daytime, if I turned on the halogen light on my bike, you wouldn't even know that it was on. You couldn't see it. But I turned this on with the, the LED light. I turned it on, and it shined all the way across the entirety of the garage. I mean, it lit the garage up. My, uh, we have the, the um, 
kind of tube lights in the garage. We got two sets of those in the garage. And uh, it was sunny out, and there's three windows, and the garage door was open. There was light everywhere already. And this LED light comes on, and it still lit the garage up. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, that's awesome. What's it going to look like at night? Right? What's it going to look like when that light hits the road in the dark? And all of that just bright white, and I feel bad for the drivers that are coming at me, but I care more about being alive uh, on the bike than, than whether or not they're happy about the lights. I don't like them when they hit me, but that's okay. Uh, but these lights, I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to do in the dark and lighting up the, ro- the road and lighting up what I'm seeing. And, and then I think about as I'm doing this, the reality of us as the light of Messiah. And this world is dark. It's not like my garage where everything was lit and visible and viewable and easy to see. This world is dark and gloomy. There are things hiding in the world that want to consume us. There are people in the world who are longing for the hope that we carry. There are people in this world that are buried so deep in the darkness and the pain and the anguish that they're suffering in, in this current world, that they would give anything just to have our light, the light of Messiah, come in their life. But how often do we in this world hide that light? We're more than happy to talk about it. But how often do we live in that light? How often do we truly shine the light of Messiah in the world around us? When we walk into the store or school or uh, a crowded area, how often do the people recognize that the light of the Lord is in their midst because we're there? The reality is, is every step that we take, wherever we are, people should sense that the Lord is in their midst because the Lord's in our lives. And he's not there for us. He's there to work through us in everybody else's life. Far too often we get hung up on speaking our testimony and forget about living it. And we become like Moses, who instead of doing just simply what the Lord said, how much easier is it to just go, hey, what rock, break forth water, than it is to physically swing something at that rock? How much, le- how much more trust does it take to speak to the rock for water to come forth than it does to smack the rock and trust that water's going to come forth? I don't know that it takes any more trust. As a matter of fact, I would think it probably takes a little more trust if I've got to be a part of the miracle for it to happen. But if it's just a matter of trusting the Lord to do a miracle, you know what? I'm good with that. Lord, do your thing. That's, that's where you're at. But so often we get hung up in the Moses mentality of beating the rock and not showing the Lord to be holy and glorious before the people that he has placed us among. So often we get hung up in what's going wrong in our own lives, what's going problematic in our path, the things that are dealing with our families, our friends, work, whatever else. Look, this past week, I lost my outside employment. The, you know, I work outside the synagogue also, uh, and I lost my outside employment. That's my primary income. We just bought a house. Like, you know, and it's kind of a weird timing for us, but when we, when we uh, put the offer in the house, we really felt the Lord say, if uh, if this offer is accepted, I've got it covered. And so when I got the email last week telling me, last Thursday, telling me that I, I uh, no longer was employed, uh, I went, this kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> what do we do? This, is, this isn't good. I can't go back to restaurants right now because my back's hurting too much to be able to do it. Um, so what do we do? Where do we go? And I started researching jobs and what I could do and what have you. And, and we really started praying. And, uh, but our biggest thing was the Lord said he's got it. We're just going to trust him. Lord said he's got it under control. Look, there are times in my life where I've been in, in situations, dire situations, where I got upset, I got ticked off. I mean, flipping tables, all of this kind of stuff. And it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, just ticked off. 
because things weren't going the way I wanted them to, or I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see how things were going to come together. And it was in those times that I saw the least of God's provision. Not that God wasn't providing it, but my eyes weren't open to it. I didn't see it happening. But in this situation, we're sitting here going, okay, that's a big part of our income. That's a big part of how we live and feed our family and meet, uh, make sure ends meet and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, this all just fell apart in front of us. So what do we do? And Danielle got really stressed out when it first came in and then we both sat there and prayed and talked about it. And I just said, look, Lord said he's got it. We've just got to trust him. And we have and we are and we're trusting him. And, and although on a human nature, on a physical nature, there is this yearning to get stressed out about it and to start to get tense and uptight and upset and, and curious. And then we had a whole bunch of other things that have happened and you know, I've got delayed paychecks and, uh, that I'm still waiting on and, and then our uh, landlord in the, the house that we were renting for the last three years, uh, I don't even know what in the world went on there, but we only got a percentage, uh, like a third of what we were supposed to get back so far from our, we paid a month too much of rent and we were supposed to get all that back plus our security deposit and she gave us like a third of it and said, look, I've had some, some medical problems and financial struggles because of that. I'll get you the rest as quick as I can. Well, we were depending on that, especially now that I lost my gig. We were like, all right, that's coming in. We know we can survive for this long. And, and then that didn't come. And then it was delayed. And then when it finally came, it wasn't everything it was supposed to be. And it's just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And, and in the natural, I just want to explode. But then I just keep thinking in the spiritual, you know what? The Lord's got this. I don't see how. I don't see how it's coming together yet, but the Lord's in control. He's in control as much now as he was three weeks ago when I had a job, and two weeks ago when I had a job, and last week when I lost the job. He's in as much control now as he will down the road. I just have to trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. All Moses had to do was trust that if he spoke to the rock, water would come forth. But instead, he smacked a rock out of his own human nature, out of his own physical nature. God still came through, and he still showed himself merciful, but he paid the consequence. A lot of times as believers, we operate in the physical. We're willing to speak about the spiritual. But we operate in the physical, and our true testimony, the testimony of our life does not shine through like our words do. And then we wonder why we don't experience the power of God or why there isn't a move of the Spirit like we desire or why there isn't revival in the body of Messiah like we think there should be or whatever else when a lot of times the problem is just that we're not in it. Not that He's not moving. We're just not with it. We haven't plugged in. We're not walking faithfully in, in trust in Him and what He says He's going to do. See, that concept of water comes up over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. And the reason why is because the Mayim Chaim, the living waters, or the waters of life, is an image of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. When Yeshua told the Samaritan woman at the well in, in Shechem that, that uh, if she just simply had asked, he would have given her living waters that never run dry. He was speaking of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. The reality is, is those living waters are there. They're real. Our congregation's name is Mayim Chaim, living waters, waters of life. By the way, the very same name that we call the waters of cleansing from the, uh, uh, the Paraduma, the, the red heifer. Our purpose here is to show the light of Messiah, the power, the might, and the mercy of the Lord through our living testimony, not just through our words. 
Our purpose as believers in the body of Messiah is to shine the light of Messiah in this dark and ugly world. Are you willing to walk in that faithfully? Are you willing to trust the Lord when he says do, no matter what you think could happen? Are you willing to trust in him when he says do? If the Lord told you right now, like he told Abraham, lech lecha, get up and go, would you be willing to get up and go? If the Lord told you right now to lay hands on somebody and pray for their healing, just simply speak it into them. Would you be willing to, or would you just beat the healing into them? To play on Moses beating the rock. And maybe a few televangelists. But uh, would, you be, would, you be willing to, would you be willing to just do what the Lord says? To speak that into them through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh that has been granted to us? Or would you be too afraid or too embarrassed to walk in the power? Do you talk about the power of God while not being willing to live in it? One of my favorite passages in Scripture, and I will close with this, one of my favorite passages in Scripture is Acts 7. Looking at Stephen, as Stephen's being accused before the Sanhedrin of speaking blasphemy against the, the temple and against the Lord and the customs of Judaism and so on and so forth, and he's brought out and, and he's given one last opportunity to defend himself, to give his testimony. And you know what Stephen does? Without any hesitation or any fear, he spends the next chapter and a half preaching the gospel, starting with the very beginning. He's literally looking down the barrel of the gun, waiting to die. Now, guns didn't exist then. It's just an image. He's looking down the barrel of the gun. He knows he's about to die. And instead of begging for his life, which is what they wanted him to do, instead of recanting what he said and hoping he could repent later, which is what they were wanting him to do, he preached the gospel no matter what. He went to the grave preaching the gospel both in word and in deed. And you know what it says at the very end of the passage dealing with Stephen's testimony? It talks about how when they were done stoning him, they laid their cloaks at the feet of a man named Shaul, Paul, for his approval. You know what happens two chapters later? Paul becomes a believer in Yeshua Mashiach and becomes one of the most impactful disciples of Messiah in the entirety of Scripture writing over, uh, I think it was close to a little over a third of the New Testament by himself. And I truly believe it was because a seed was planted when Stephen gave his life as a testimony, literally gave his life as a testimony. I believe a seed was planted and two chapters later, his heart was softened and ready to receive what the Lord was about to do. And it was no surprise to him when it happened. I truly believe that if we walk in a life that is so dependent on the Ruach HaKodesh, on the Holy Spirit, so that every step we take, every breath we take, every word we speak, every thought we have comes forth flowing from the Spirit of God. That light of Messiah that must shine forth will shine brighter than we could ever imagine. It'll shine brighter than we could ever imagine. We pray every week, as we're anointing the doors of the building, we pray every week that the Shekinah, the divine glory of the Lord, be so fervent and heavy upon this place that the radiant glory of the Lord will be felt by those driving by, by those in the houses in the vicinity, the businesses in the vicinity, all the way through the county and wherever else the Lord is willing to reach through us, that His Shekinah's divine glory, His divine presence will be so real in this place, so tangible, that not only us, who should be living in it all the time will know that it's here, but all of those out there 
will know that there's something going on here, that the God of all creation is at work in this place. I pray every week that people are healed and find salvation just driving by because we're willing to live and to breathe and to worship in the presence of the Lord, letting his light shine forth so that others may find the Maim Chaim, the waters of life that will never run dry. It's time that we understand the truth of the Ruach HaKodesh and we get in the, the, the water. We get wet. Because if you're walking in a dry spirit right now, it's not the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord never runs dry. It's time that we get on our faces before the Lord if we're not quite sure whether or not we're dry or wet. We get in the, on our faces before the Lord asking Him to just overflow us with His Ruach HaKodesh. A fresh outpouring, a fresh renewal, a fresh restoration in Him. Because otherwise we're just wasting our time. If we're not walking in the power of the Spirit of God, especially in these days that we live in, things are only going to get worse from here. The world is only going to get darker. If we're not willing to be that light that shines, if we're not willing to walk in the Ruach HaKodesh, living in the waters that never run dry, we're wasting our time. And we're wasting God's time. And there's no time to waste. It's time that we get serious about our faith. It's time that we get serious about walking faithfully in Him. About being in relationship and communion with Him day in and day out. One of my favorite things that I've added to my day now uh, is uh, on YouVersion, the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, there's a number of translations on there that have audio files for them. And so when I get in my car, or I'm on the bike and I have headset on or whatever, I just turn on the Bible. I just run through listening to the Bible and just let it run uh, while I'm driving around town or going. And now it's funny because my kids used to constantly scream out, can we hear music? Can we hear music? Can we hear music? I would listen to the Yankees game or ESPN radio or something like that. Daddy, can we hear music? I'm tired of this. I don't like this. Now we get in the car and Natanel the other day screams out, Daddy, can you turn on that guy talking about Jerusalem? And I went... I mean, the Bible goes, yeah, yeah, that. Can you turn that on? I really want to hear that. It's just another asset, another way that we can implement being in communion with the Lord. And it's easy. And you'd be surprised how much that word becomes a part of you. It's just another facet, another thing we can add to our walk. But we've got to decide to make it a, real, a reality. We've got to decide that we want to walk faithfully with the Lord no matter what. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for being a God who does speak, for being a God who does work in our midst, who does live within us, for being a God who wants nothing more than to use us for the good and the glory of your kingdom before all men. Father, I pray that you ignite a fire within us, ignite a raging fire within us, that cannot be put out by the cares or the concerns or the fears of this world around us, but that provide luminescence for everyone we come into contact with. Father, that it be a wildfire that spreads uncontrollably. That your glory be known through our lives, not just our words. Father, I pray that we never just strike the rock taking the lazy way out rather than giving you all of the glory that you desire, rather than showing the fullness of your holiness before all men. Father, I pray that we speak faithfully to the rock, that your waters will run forth, that they will never dry up, 
and that we will walk fervently in the truth of what you want to do through your power and your might, your Ruach HaKodesh in our lives in this world that we live in. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen. Amen.